Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not a straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief, unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Career Changers. Our guest today is uh, Sarah Burroughs, career uh, change, confidence and new business coach uh, with a background in psychology. Sarah has a master's degree in psychology, accredited by the British Psychological Society, has worked with coaches in a British military rehabilitation program, and has supported leadership training and mentoring programs with corporate organizations. She works one-to-one with women and men to find the courage and clarity they need to transition into a job they love. A few years ago, I pivoted in my career to run my own coaching business, and it taught me all of the things I wish I'd known and had the courage to do previously, instead of falling into a job because I thought it was right, Sarah said. Today, she's going to talk about the most common fears people face when reflecting on their careers and how to find the courage to change um, to change to do what you love in life, uh, considering that the average person spends up to 80,000 hours at work in their lifetime. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. So let's start uh, with your background. How did you start your professional life or better, what was your first job? So out of university, I um, started working with the British military on a rehabilitation program that I found out about through a friend um, that very much fit in with my academic background. So I had done a master, I was just completing my master's in psychology and I found this job that was working for the same university that I was already at, um, coincidentally, and found out through a girl that I played um, a sport with and she told me about it one day and I started about four weeks later. So what was your dream job when you were a child? So 
my earliest memory of knowing what I wanted to do was when I was about 12 and I think it was disaster relief and working abroad in another country helping people um, or being a counsellor I think when I was the next step when I realised that um, the work I had in my mind was actually unpaid so the 12 year old me had a dream of doing a job that actually wouldn't have uh, allowed me to live so I think the second thing was counsellor um, that I thought about when I was really really young. Yeah that's interesting because uh, yeah even when we look at our dreams we, also, we always have to also be sure that they <laughs> can help us to live in a practical world. Yeah. Um, so what is your educational background? So I've got a master's degree in psychology and an undergraduate degree in uh, criminology and psychology. So my master's has allowed me to be accredited by the British Psychological Society so that if I wanted to, I could practice in sort of for the NHS um, in therapy or any of those domains. Mm, that sounds really interesting, criminology. <laughs> Yeah, really, really interesting. I, I very much enjoyed my degree. And, and when I was at university, the part of the degree that was psychology, um, because my undergraduate wasn't actually accredited, I did a lot of Eastern psychology. So I did a lot about meditation in prisons in India. And yeah, very alternative psychology, really, which very much opened my mind. So I then went on to do my master's to become accredited within the UK. But I my background very much opened my eyes to a lot of different types of sort of what we what we class as psychology and what we class as therapies and um, in this country. That sounds really fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any direct experience with criminology? Um, no, I actually started my degree in a different on a different course that was was psychology but slightly different um and then transitioned and just chose it as a whim and just because it looked really interesting and I just felt like doing it at the time so very much took a sort of an approach of I don't actually I don't mind you know I learn lots and I didn't want to do biology so I kind of defaulted to something that so I knew that I didn't want to do a certain other thing so I ruled those out and it kind of left a pool of a pool of options so I chose one of those. So um, how and when did you start thinking about becoming a career coach? So a career coach about three years ago so the work I did when I first graduated was was alongside coaches and I did that for three or four years and realized very quickly as a researcher and I very quickly saw the impact of coaching and thought how transformational it was and how amazing it was. And then I went, moved to London and I left that role and I didn't quite think, but I, about three years later, two or three years later, a lot of things in my life had changed and I was kind of sat in this nine to five in London and I liked it, but I didn't really love it. And I couldn't place why. And then I kind of decided at that point, and someone mentioned to me a coaching course, and I went and did two days. And I just decided there and then that I was going to do it. And I was going to do it in careers and confidence and empowering women to ask for what they deserve. Well, was, oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just, uh, so it was, I think it was about 2018, 2019, that I really decided to sort of hone in on this direction. What was your nine to five job? Um, so evaluation officer. 
which looks at charity's impact. So I did very much enjoy it. And there was a lot of things about it that I enjoyed. And I still do it part time now as well, because there are elements of it that I enjoyed. But there were elements that I didn't enjoy. And so I've learned now to pull the things that matter and pull those. So even though it's still sometimes the same role description, actually what you can change can make you enjoy the role, even if it's uh, working for like a different organization. So you don't always have to do a complete career pivot, although I have done both. Um, yeah, working in the charity industry. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's also about uh, balance, for example, you can do a job that maybe is not as uh, suitable to, um, you know, say the things that you like the most, but um, part-time instead of doing yeah. full-time. And then uh, you can enjoy because you have the experience, the qualification, um, and may give you more security. And then you have time to fulfill uh, other aspects of uh, your personality or your dreams. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And that's exactly what I've done is that hybrid of I love the team and the security and I love the dynamics and the way that that part of my job challenges me. And then I run the business and have the way that this job challenges me. So it's such a great hybrid, such a great hybrid. Love it so much. So you said uh, um, a few years ago, I pivoted in my career to run my own coaching business and it taught me um, all of the things I wish I'd known and then the courage to do previously instead of falling into a job because I thought it was right. Um, what were the things you didn't have the courage to do previously? To explore. I definitely didn't explore because I didn't know where to start. So it was a combination of courage and clarity. And I didn't have the courage to start because I didn't know where to start. And then the courage of thinking that I could actually run a business. I, I just never had given that any consideration. I don't know many people that set businesses up. It's not something my family have done necessarily. And my parents run businesses. So I didn't have the courage to sort of take the steps I needed to, to really explore. Because it's also, you have to do a lot of exploration about yourself. And I probably was quite scared to kind of open Pandora's box of who I am. And, and then, you know, once you've opened that and you've committed to doing making those changes based on it, I think I was a bit nervous to say, if I say out loud that this is who I am and this is what I want to do, then I need to take action to honor that. And that's quite nerve wracking. Whereas if you just keep sitting in your job, that's very comfortable um, and, and think maybe this is right. Maybe there's things about it that I do like it's very comfortable to do that. So I think I'd wish I'd sort of taken the courage to commit to doing the work and actually thinking about it a bit earlier than I probably had. And also uh, you mentioned opening the Pandora box. I think once you've done that, um, there is also, um, well, we have to deal with uncertainty because uh, once we start to do something new, we don't know where that would lead us. It's so easy for society to make us believe that we choose a path, a path and we cannot change it or, well, not, not really know what to do next. Yeah, that's so right. It's, it's uncertainty, which leads to risk. And, you know, society, the human brain, we love to know. We're, we're hardwired to want to predict. And so when we can't predict and we can't say, 
especially when things like finances, security, homes, things like that play a part and you've got rent to pay and things like that, it is taking a risk, especially when you don't know where it's going to, to end up. So how common in your experience is for people to fall into a job just because it feels the right thing to do? Sorry, can you, I missed that. Sorry, yeah. sorry. So how common is in your experience is for people to fall into a job just because it feels the right thing to do? It's Yeah, it's unbelievably common. I mean, I guess if you asked a pool of your friends that you know, they think that it's the right thing to do to fall into a job because it's, you know, it's right by society, it's right by what their education it was, and it's right by what their parents have told them to do. Um, yeah, I actually spoke to someone this week who, you know, and, and certain cultures as well, there's very much an expectation of, of certain job roles that come, come with prestige and come with salary increases. So a lot of people fall into it and do seven, eight years of it sometimes. I mean, there's a massive range. And then go, oh, I don't, that was right because it's what I studied or it's right because it's kind of what I thought I should do. And it's that word should, I should have done this because I studied it because my my mum did it because my friends told me to do it. And, and therefore it's the right thing to do. And actually it's not when you strip that back, but I'd say, yeah, I'd say 60 to 80% of the people that I speak to are probably have fallen into a job like I did it was what I did as a degree and my CV then built around it and so my next job landed because of my experience because it was the right thing to do to have a nine-to-five to sit in that office yeah glued to a screen because that was the right thing to do by society's definition and it's absolutely not how I work but it's the common thing that I thought was the right job to do and the right place to be and commute and doing all those things just because someone else told me that I should spend an hour or more every morning and every day in the evening on a train on a tube on a bus in the car <laughs> yeah and also I think uh, uh, many times the role we choose or something that looks good uh, um, on on the CV is because it gives us a certain status in society so um, many times um, we present or we introduce us ourselves like, uh, you know, I'm my job, I'm what I'm doing. And that's not always necessarily true, um, but it's a form also of protection uh, once we have to introduce ourselves um, to other people is to say, I'm this. And so uh, which social level I'm at um but doesn't necessarily mean that that is what makes us happy yeah and you see that a lot and it's very much inbuilt into our society and having that hierarchical nature of job titles that gives us a sense of worth as well that we think oh if I do this then I'll feel really good or it it demonstrates that level of of salary and those kinds of things so it makes us feel good about those things and actually the amount of identity that we hold on to our jobs can be really detrimental in that sense as well. So um, people unfulfilled in their careers uh, may have some recurrent thoughts or questions that they ask themselves. Uh, let's go one by one and maybe you can give us some tips to overcome these challenges. So the first one, is that they feel that the, the right career is out there, but uh, they don't know how to get there? Yeah, this is such a good question, one I get all the time. 
And it's, it is tricky because everyone's very different in their approach, especially between introverts and extroverts and the way that people want to learn and the um, networks people have already got. But the one of the first things I always say to people is actually have conversations. One of the best way to learn about other roles and other jobs that are out there is to get a sense of what other jobs and other roles are like from a human perspective not from a job role description, not from what someone else has kind of put on their website and, you know, all the, the um, bells and whistles that it's got with it, actually speaking to somebody. So I always recommend talking to friends, family, colleagues, friends of friends, putting those feelers out to your network, actually having a conversation with somebody about different jobs that have potentially sparked your curiosity previously. So if you know somebody who's done something and you a job and you think, oh, that's actually a really, that really sounds interesting, go and actually have a conversation with those people and understand what the job entails, what they like about it, so that you can get a sense of whether those kinds of industries, those kinds of jobs feel like they're a good fit for you and your personality and the, the things that you want. Another um, tip I always say that I kind of wish I'd thought, well, I didn't know about um, actually when I uh, was pivoting is get support. There's so much support out there. Um, career coaches, mentors, career advisors, and, and there's so many resources online as well that actually just have an explore, go and have a look through some of the resources around different industries um, that just might broaden your horizons as to what what other opportunities there might be out there and then obviously another good one is listen to this podcast <laughs> you know like this is this is, this is gold Nickel <laughs> information from experts in the field and you you know you and everyone else that comes on this podcast is an expert at something and will give you such incredible you know tips and I talk about that from listening to it from other people <laughs> not just actually gloating about myself <laughs> But, you know, there's there's a huge amount of of information on here. Free, you know. Yeah. So um, the second uh, the second fear that people have, uh, we mentioned it earlier when we said about dealing with uncertainty and not knowing what will be, um, is the fee, uh, find the fear of the unknown and the overwhelming amount of option. Um, that keep us stuck in uh, analysis paralysis yeah that's that's a huge one and I think something that a lot of people don't really consider about a career change and I think it's the way that we see other people change careers they go from job a to job b and actually that isn't necessarily how a career change works you don't go from here to there and the overwhelm comes from seeing that end goal and thinking that feels so unachievable. So the way to overcome that is to break it down and think if a career change takes on average between three and six months, depending on the career change that you're looking to do, what do you need to do in between? What do you need to do in the next two weeks and just focus on that and put everything else out of your mind so that you're not getting overwhelmed because you're not thinking about all the other things you need to do and then break it down month by month and get accountability so that you just focus on on that two week two week task 
So the third one, uh, where we have a long uh, bank holiday approaching weekend here in the UK, but um, it's not the same, I think, everywhere. <laughs> but everyone has experienced the Sunday dread. Um, so if that becomes a recurrent theme uh, um, during our week, what can we do? Yeah, so the, the Sunday dread, really, really common and often sparks quite a lot of anxiety within people. The question I always ask people around Sunday dread and, and that kind of level of anxiety and that dread that people feel is ask yourself how long you've been feeling that. And if it's a really, really long time, you know, if that's between six and 12 months, it might be time to start considering changing and taking some of those steps to think about something new. If it's between sort of, zero to six zero to eight months and you think that there is something that you can do to change it within your control internally at work actually try and do something that will help reduce your stress as well as there are loads and hints and tips around reducing anxiety which is usually what the dread actually is in terms of the physical manifestation of, of it it's usually the stomach kind of not being able to concentrate and focus whether you're watching television or something else it's that kind of concern and worry and there's lots of things about meditation and journaling and things like that that can help immediate so yeah I'd say internal work is one thinking about what you can control at work to reduce that dread um and I've had clients before where the Sunday dread's been paralyzing and all it's actually taken when we've done some uncovering is a conversation with the manager that they put the time in they take the control back of the time with their manager so instead of that nervousness of waiting for their manager to call on a Monday morning and the dread that came with that uncertainty they took a bit of the control back and it did a, a world of good for the um, Sunday dread and anxiety so there are things that you can do internally at work to to shift that but as I said if it's been quite a long time it can be a real sign to think about think about potentially doing something else or leaving that company or organization yeah, but it's good it's good to have a reminder that sometimes there are also uh, small action that we can take in the present uh, to make um, you know uh, to make us feel better because sometimes change takes time and sometimes yeah. a lot of time is needed before there is clarity and understanding of what to do next. Yeah. So many people uh, think about career change uh, uh, during their life. I mean, this is one of the reasons why this project was born, because I met so many people that generally when reach a certain age, um, they're not fulfilled anymore with what they were, were with what they were doing, um, even if um, um, even if it sounds good on their CVs, and um, and many times, uh, many people, and I guess more and more uh, during the pandemic, and now that the world is changing more, um, want to start their own business, but are very unsure on what is the right uh, way to start and where to start. So what can you say to anyone that is thinking what next? <laughs> so in terms of building your own business, I think one of the key things I've learned setting mine up is the first thing is do it in a comfortable way for you. 
And this is so cliche, but there's no right or wrong. You know, some people, lots of business owners, they're like, you need to get up at five and work 15, 16 hour days. No, I nap all the time. You know, if I want to go for a long walk, I'll go, I'll take a three hour lunch today because that's how I enjoy running my business. And so doing it in a way that suits you feels comfortable and growing in a really small way. So often what I say to people is have a think about what it is you enjoy and how can you do that in a sort of way that feels comfortable. Because if you suddenly get to that stage and you think I want to set a business up and someone says, right, quit your job and go and do it. Well, if that doesn't feel good for you because of your values on security and your mortgage that you need to pay, that's not necessarily going to be very useful for you. So there's a couple of things around also thinking about what you enjoy. What do you actually want to spend your time doing? And having a bit of a brainstorm around that as well about if it was a passion project, what could you do? Could you do it on the side? Could you think about doing it a couple of hours a week or a couple of hours a night, you know? thinking about how it fits in with your current lifestyle as well. And one of the, also one of the biggest things I've learned setting a business up is get support and accountability because someone else has probably done this before you. So you don't need to learn it all on your own. And there's not, it's not a weakness to pull on other people or to lean on other people or to get expertise from other people. And that was one of the biggest learnings I had in business really early on is thinking I could do it all on my own. And actually I was just hitting brick walls all the time trying to achieve anything. Whereas when I started asking people and started getting, you know, getting business coach, business mentor um, and breaking down that overwhelm, it made quite a lot of difference to, to that shift. Yeah. And it's important to remember that sometimes uh, when we think about starting a business, we always think about um, all the startup or big investments, um, but generally it's actually really starting maybe to dedicate one or two hours in the evenings or in the weekends and then uh, give, um, give space and time for the creativity um, to, to, you know, to develop that idea. Um, because it may take time uh, and then direction may be different than what we were thinking uh, initially. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great uh, way to start, I guess. Yeah, it's, and it's absolutely what I work with a lot of my clients on is, and, and I do, you know, I specialize in career change, but also with the exploration of obviously business startups. And a lot of the time it is, how is this fitting in with your life so that you can still, you know, transition, but you don't need to quit and do it all full time. Um, let's explore, yeah, how many times you want to do that a week? How many, I've got an artist at the moment and it's, I had to say to her, how many, you know, she's got a full-time job now. How many commissions can you take? And she's like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And I was like, that's where you need to come from. It's that having that hybrid and that, you know, having it as a second income rather than going all in and setting a business up. And then, yeah, like you said, the grant, the investments and things that you then need to do that can be quite big. Um, so the fifth point uh, is uh, still uh, find yourself in a job you've said you are unhappy uh, for a very long time. Yeah, this is such a good one. I see a lot of um, people who 
sit for sort of three or four years and they're kind of known they've not been happy for that long and they kind of think what's what is too long is a really good question as well you know what is too long there's a fine line between having a bad spell at work and then actually needing to leave and that's a really tricky thing to answer but the first thing that I you know if someone's sort of in a job and they haven't changed and they've been there for three or five years and they've not liked it for that time maybe is understand what's keeping you there something's keeping you there so for example knowing your values knowing who you are and knowing what it is that's keeping you there is key because that awareness over that barrier that stopping that stopped you leaving so far is the thing that you need to overcome so if you think of you know different different reasons for staying you know if you're trying to overcome a barrier but that barrier is um say for example you've got physical barriers and you've got a wave or a wall well you want a ladder for the for the wall to climb over it as a bar- physical barrier but you don't want a ladder that goes over the wave because obviously it won't work and it's the same with you know metaphorical barriers at work as if you've got something that's keeping you there and you're actually it's anxiety or stress or financial security you want to approach those completely differently because the solutions to those barriers are totally different and so you've got to really think about why are you still there what is it that makes you get up every morning and still go to that job because if you don't sort that out leaving's not going to necessarily happen so that's kind of the first the first thing is that creating that awareness over what it is like and then accountability is and support can also be really helpful if if it is that thing that you've been there for too long is have someone who's going to support you to move or have someone's going to keep you accountable so that you don't slip back into the comfort zone the easy option so you stay on track to, to take that leap and have that courage. Yeah, and I think sometimes uh, what actually keep us in the same uh, uh, situation for a long time is that in some ways, uh, well, it's habit or we love the routine without realizing that. Um, and we need sometimes something big that can shake us um, before uh, we can actually look uh, inside ourselves and realize that maybe we were not as happy as we thought we, we were, or that uh, we have lost a little bit track of ourselves and our real ambition and dreams. Yeah, and, and it's, it's comfort, isn't it? It's that comfort of, you know it. And so I love you, comfort. Yeah, we love comfort. Oh my God, we love comfort. We are wired for it. Like our brains literally, that's what they're there for. They're there to keep you safe right yeah your brain is hardwired to keep you safe that's its job you know that hunter gatherers that's their job your brain needs to keep you safe so you don't want to take those big risks because <laughs> that, that puts you out of your comfort zone so why would you do that no no no. and then it can become your norm which is something i, I picked up on when you're talking then is that habit and that routine becomes your normal and your level of happiness becomes your normal and you lose sight of that ambition because this is what you've become to accept starts to starts to change a bit so the last point the sixth one is that um, um, 
you find that your motivation to change career has disappeared because you are unsure of what to do. Yeah, and I I sort of spoke to someone a while ago about something similar to this, and they said they feel like they're in the middle of a swimming pool and they don't really know which way to swim, so they just kind of sort of don't know what to do. And yeah, motivation's key because of the length of time it can take to make that change keeping disciplined and motivated on track when you don't necessarily know what to do is really difficult and I think actually acknowledging that you know it's not you're not sort of lazy or you know not sort of taking charge of it just because you may not be moving at the pace you want to and one of the the biggest ways to get over this is accountability so one of the biggest ways that I talk about a lot in the material I deliver blogs and video content and things is motivation and discipline and and accountability and and a prime example of this is if you say that you're going to work out tomorrow you have an idea that you're going to work out tomorrow versus if you book a gym class tomorrow with a friend the likelihood that you're going to do the second option of that is quite a lot more than the option of you thinking that you might at some point work out tomorrow. So accountability and the research shows that you can, if you have an idea of doing something, you're 10% likely to actually achieve it. If you go through having an idea, planning it, talking about it and getting accountability, you're up to 95% more likely to achieve it. So having accountability to maintain that motivation is your quickest and easiest way to to do it, whether that's telling someone else, getting a coach, putting reminders in your diary, whatever those those ways are that you keep accountable, increase increases your likelihood to 95% of actually achieving that thing. Mm. That really make me makes me think. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so simple as well I think that's what I like about it and its strength is actually and I've I've I think this is probably one of the biggest biggest turner like things that impacted my business is learning to put time and meetings in with people just to give myself a deadline Mm. so that I know that I need to do it by a certain time so that I've got accountability And it just takes so much stress off. Having to find the motivation to do it all the time is really difficult. So if you have something, you know, I need to do that by that time. Um, it puts the pressure on a little bit more as well. Yeah. So uh, we, we often forget uh, how each of us uh, with our choices can have a, a positive impact uh, in the world. How do you feel uh, your career changes made the world a better place? Um, for me, people are happier and I, it's as simple as that people that are overcoming huge barriers to themselves that have held them back for years and doing something that they love people waking up excited because it's not when you're happy in your career, it's not just your career that's impacted. It's the people around you. It's the time that you spend outside of your career. And that is for me one of the the biggest things and and the impact I hope that I make is women asking for their worth and you know a lot of stuff I do salary negotiation and appraisal negotiation because 
women don't ask anywhere near as amount as men and women don't apply for jobs at the same level as men so it's to some degree just empowering women as well to say no I deserve this I can do it I'm good enough for it because sometimes all you need is someone else to sort of give you a bit of that fire um so to yeah I'd love to close a bit of the pay gap in my um my time as a career coach as well yeah and uh, I mean you mentioned something about this is interesting also that when we change career or we align with our um dreams uh we we also start uh, to be surrounded by different people and we create our own tribe um while when we are just doing our job it may be that uh, yeah we still may have good relationship and friendship um but maybe we're still looking for something that is um really aligned with uh, with our passions mm. So uh, fear, lack of clarity and confusion can make us wonder if there is more to life than what we are living. Uh, what can make us understand if we are heading in the right direction? This is such a big question to answer in a couple of minutes. <laughs> well, the, maybe the feeling, the feeling that we can look for. Yeah, and that's exactly what I went with because it's the easiest, and most difficult thing to to think about but does it feel good actually checking in with yourself you know how does your body react what does your energy say are you tired are you happy are you excited um and tracking that you know over the course of a week two weeks with whatever you're doing to to see where's consistent to see what elements of life careers everything feel good to you and not to anyone else but to you and I think being honest with yourself in that is the one of the most powerful things you can do so not doing it by society standards or doing it because you know it sounds right or it's what you think you should write down but journaling you know every every day for two weeks at the end of the day to see what was it during that sort of day that you enjoyed and that helps with the clarity of oh, this is actually what I like doing. Even just as a starting point, there's obviously so much more, like we talked about values and everything else. Like there's a whole, whole host of other things, but just actually recognizing what you enjoy at work can be a really good starting point. In your experience, how important is to find our life purpose and how can having a life purpose um, can change our professional lives? I can. Such big questions. I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's funny when I reflect on the words life purpose, I felt like it was a bit narrow for me. And actually, it's for me, it's life purposes and you're allowed to have many. Instead of idealizing one trait to hold on to, um, actually realizing there's lots of things that can make you feel completely fulfilled and be your life purpose and letting go of that notion that it's a it's a thing that you're working towards and once you've got it you'll have something that makes you happy and actually recognizing that doing things that make you happy and living your purposes and you can have many is much more useful and much more powerful because you can have lots and lots of jobs um that 
allow you to live out your like purposes and maybe there is kind of one overarching theme but there's many ways to have that in your career and in your professional life that looks slightly different but is still sort of the same thing overarching so for example for me mine's helping people is maybe that's my life purpose but I do it in very different ways in different roles and different professional settings so I love the idea of it being life purposes and there's many and that therefore we're not holding on to one and that they can look different across different roles as well and that we're not just it's not just because I think that's part of the problem when people see career changes they're like oh well I need to get that job because that's that's fits everything and not necessarily thinking there's lots of jobs as long as you're looking at your values your purpose and everything else yeah and many times we can realize our life purpose not it's not always necessarily through a job or a career we can have also a job that career that can be um functional <laughs> and awesome. it can help us to live and cover our expenses uh, or maybe use some of our practical skills that we've learned at school at university and then we may have been with volunteering or we have a creative yeah. project so yeah as you say there are many ways uh, to actually um, find life purposes <laughs> yeah so um, why are we often scared to ask for guidance and what difference can make having someone to guide us in the right direction so for me, being scared of asking for guidance is kind of what I was talking about earlier in that you're accepting that it's real. You're voicing that that thing needs to change. And that's what held me back is that I kind of had an inkling that I knew that what I was doing didn't sit with me completely. But I was nervous to sort of say that out loud because it made it very real. And then when you say, when you say it and then it's real, people expect you to do something about it. And you kind of yourself, you know that you then need to do something about it. If you acknowledge that you have a problem or, you know, a problem being that you want to leave your job or you want to change industries. And that is quite scary. And like, again, like I was saying earlier, you know, that uncertainty definitely creeps in again um, about what does this look like? And I don't know what is going to happen. And, and that, that is exactly why having someone to guide you in the right direction is so powerful because it removes some of that uncertainty because you know that someone's effectively holding your hand down the sort of path of, of self-discovery, which sounds very profound, but it takes some of that uncertainty and that risk out of it and can help people so much just for that alone. And we're not taught either to necessarily, a lot of people anyway, aren't necessarily taught to just go and get a coach and a therapist and you know when I was being during my upbringing definitely wasn't you know you just change careers right like that's what people do and you just sit in your career and get promotion and take the next thing and you should be lucky you've got a job and you know don't ask for too much and that mindset can make you stay and think, oh, I don't want to ask for help because then I'm admitting I want to leave and that's big and scary, but that's where it comes in as being so powerful. So we're approaching the last uh, section of this episode and I'm really enjoying this conversation uh, with you, Sarah. 
Um, so what type of advice would you give to anyone uh, um, along their path to self-realization? I think it's a couple of things. Um, the first is talk to people. Like you said, you know, that tribe changes and those conversations will change with that tribe and with that path and that discovery. And that in itself is really powerful, especially when other people are going through something similar. There's a huge amount to be said about, you know, peer-to-peer -peer, peer -peer situations. And some of the conversations I've had in the last eight to 10 months have been profoundly different from anything I would have maybe even indulged two, three years ago. And so recognizing that talking to people as your tribe changes is okay. And like you said, you can still be friends with those people that you are friends with, but actually also acknowledging who's now moving along with you. As well, I think seeking support, you know, I've had so many different coaches in the last couple of years and it's just made everything so much more efficient and effective in terms of building on, on everything and actually learning and growing. And it's been a lot more powerful to have other people challenge me and question me and open my eyes up and you know I've had um, coaches in different areas um, just to try things out to grow in certain areas of my life that I wouldn't have necessarily even reached out to have um, before and also to realize that it's actually quite a long path you know self-realization is actually you know something we're always going through and it's not an end goal you don't just get it you don't just work for six months it's not a certificate promotion or anything else that you get when you finish the course you know we're always growing and learning and building and that's quite I think that shift in mindset can be very useful as well to think yeah that's going through this yeah that's a great reminder because also it allows us to think that sometimes um, we want to achieve everything in one day two days one week one month one year um, but generally, uh, it will take uh, more time than expected, uh, but it's also good uh, to enjoy the journey. So to remind, um, remind us to have some good times in between, take breaks, have fun and um, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the journey. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well, realize that some of it's not going to be that easy and that pretty. And, you know, that's also, you know, as I said, opening Pandora's box can be quite kind of nerve wracking because you don't know what's sort of in there. That's the purpose of, of opening the box. And, and actually that can be yeah pretty tough as well. And, and honor that, you know, give space for that. Don't just think that there's some shining light that everyone's walking to on this path of enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. It's all, you know, exactly. sunshine and rainbows. It's actually, you know, yeah. quite, quite difficult at times. Yeah, I think there can be moments of enlightenment yes uh, several and then uh, and then there is this feeling of progressing mm. uh, and then moments where you go back and you're like now I don't know <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and I think I had quite a big realization when I realized that and when someone said that to me and they're like no that's that's right that you're having both and I was like ah good <laughs> good that uh, makes me feel a bit more yeah. a bit more uh, I was thinking about, but I don't know how to translate it. <laughs> uh, I remember there is a say something like that, uh, you know, you need chaos, uh, chaos, 
um, yeah. to, to create something. So generally, I think there is a you have moment of alignment where you see, okay, I'm going this direction. And then this moment of chaos, confusion again, when it's like, oh, now it's like if you have something uh, covering your eyes and you're not sure where to go. And then the next step happens. Yeah. And it's a process. So, um, well, between, uh, I mean, we talk a lot about career change, overcoming fears, tips. Uh, but if you could choose one suggestion to give uh, uh, one advice to someone that is looking to change their career, what would you say is a starting point, a good starting point? Putting time and effort into it is probably the starting point. Recognizing that the work is worth it. So going through and actually doing the self-discovery and no, you know, really knowing what you want is worth it, but that takes time and effort because doing it wrong, you know, just choosing the next job because it's easy or because you don't know what else to do and you haven't done the work in the long run can waste quite a lot of time if you end up doing it for a year, two, three years to realize you're not happy in it. Whereas you could have spent three, three to six months doing this work, you know, the work I take my clients through which is understanding yourself knowing your values your strengths your profiles all of that is so worth it in the long run and recognizing that that energy and that time and that effort is valuable even if it feels a bit long and a lot of effort to start with hmm. so well we are now approaching the last question and you've been uh, very inspirational and uh, you shared your wisdom with um, all the career changers out there and our listeners. Uh, but if you could give uh, uh, yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? To recognize that there aren't bad experiences, but they're lessons that teach you. And what I mean by this is, so I literally had a client the other day and there was quite a lot of, um, she was beating herself up a bit about the fact that all these jobs had happened. I said, but they've given you such a good picture of who you are and what you want to do. And so changing that approach to the way that you look back over your experiences, um, I actually think it came, some of that came from a um, another podcast that I listened to that there aren't bad experiences only lessons to take the pressure off yourself that you may have got it right or wrong and recognizing that there is literally no right or wrong I and mean, you'll learn lots from those experiences yeah and many times it's about also um forgiving ourselves yeah <laughs> and, and that's a byproduct isn't it I think of, of exactly what I'm saying is if you turn that language that power of that language of saying you've learned something you've gained something from that however bad it felt at the time and it's something I very much learned when I was working with the military is you know they were going through severe distress and trauma and rightly so but actually the moment those those um, military personnel switch that language to say what am I learning from this what's that teaching me that make such a such a difference to the way that you approach other things and the way that you actually effectively rewire your brain by doing it and being a bit kinder to yourself and forgiving yourself and you'll actually find you actually get more done and you're happier <laughs> as well 
so yeah, as you mentioned, you have worked uh, with coaches in a British military rehabilitation program and um, at the career changes, um, we cover um, military career change because it has its own challenges. Um, so in your experience, what are the biggest challenges that military people face uh, during their careers? The, I mean, I would never want to speak for people who actually were, you know, haven't actually served um, and I wasn't in the British military. But from what I saw, um, one of the biggest things was a, a lack of control. So people who it wasn't necessarily their decision if they were staying or going, mm-hmm. um, especially due to medical discharge. And that very much losing like you and I were saying earlier, the identity that comes with a job. And for them, it's it's everything, you know, they live and breathe it. A lot of them, a lot of them, it's not a nine to five that they go home to, you know, they can be gone for months at a time. Um, and then, and this is this is similar for everyone, but kind of um, a morning of a job as well, like a morning of loss um, and losing something that you did have. And I think that's actually really common in career changes in general, actually. Um, the emotional attachment to something you've done for however much percent of your days for however long, actually letting that go as well. Um, but I'd say the lack of lack of control over decisions um, and limbo. Limbo is a big one of time waiting for other people to make decisions about your career, which is yeah inevitably very difficult. Yeah, and um, yeah, uh, maybe we can talk about this topic more in another episode of the Career Changer. Uh, but thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm so I'm sure the Career Changers will find lots of inspiration from your words. And if anyone would like to get in touch with you, how and where can they find you? Yeah, amazing. And thank you so much. It's been it's been great. Fun. I love talking about this. Uh, so people can find me. My website is achievingambition.com. My Instagram is achievingambition underscore. And my LinkedIn is Sarah Burroughs Coaching. And they're my three main platforms. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And the last message for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in next week for a new inspirational episode of The Career Changers. Thank you.